Please turn with me in your copies of God's Word to the book of Ecclesiastes. Ecclesiastes chapter 10. I'll read the whole chapter. We will consider verse, verse 1 to verse 4. This is the infallible, inerrant word of God. Dead flies make the perfumer's ointment give off a stench. So a little folly outweighs wisdom and honor. A wise man's heart inclines him to the right, but a fool's heart to the left. Even when the fool walks on the road, he lacks sense, and he says to everyone that he is a fool. If the anger of the ruler rises against you, do not leave your place, for calmness will lay great offenses to rest. There is an evil that I have seen under the sun, as, as it were an error proceeding from the ruler. Folly is set in many high places, and the rich sit in a lowly place. I have seen slaves on horses, and princes walking on the ground like slaves. He who digs a pit will fall into it, and a serpent will bite him who breaks through a wall. He who quarries stones is hurt by them, and he who splits logs is endangered by them. If the iron is blunt, and one does not sharpen the edge, he must use more strength, but wisdom helps one to succeed. If the serpent bites before it is charmed, there is no advantage to the charmer. The words of a wise man's mouth win him favor, but the lips of a fool consume him. The beginning of the words of his mouth is foolishness, and the end of his talk is evil madness. A fool multiplies words, though no man knows what is to be. And who can tell him what will be after him? The toil of a fool wearies him, for he does not know the way to the city. Woe to you, O land, when your king is a child, and your princes feast in the morning. Happy are you, O land, when your king is the son of the nobility, and your princes feast at the proper time for strength and not for drunkenness. Through sloth, the roof sinks in, and through indolence, the house leaks. Bread is made for laughter, and wine gladdens life, and money answers everything. Even in your thoughts, do not curse the king, nor in your bedroom, curse the rich, for a bird of the air will carry your voice, or some winged creature tell the matter. I'm going to pray, then we will consider verse 1 to verse 4 of that chapter. Our Father, we thank you that we have an opportunity to hear a word from you. The passage that we are considering is not the easiest, yet we pray that it would be plain as it is expounded. Um, grant, O Lord, that we would walk in the law of the Lord. 
that we would be those blessed whose way is blameless because we listen to your law that we would be those blessed who keep your testimonies who seek you with our whole heart who walk in your ways grant that because you have commanded your precepts to be kept diligently that we would keep them grant that our ways would be steadfast in keeping your statutes help that our eyes would be fixed on all your words all your commandments grant that we would praise you with an upright heart that we would learn your righteous rules your righteous ways help us to keep your statutes and may we be those who indeed desire that we may be shown Christ in the opening up of your word help me to be faithful help my hearers to reverently listen to your word help us all with these words of eternal life may your name be glorified in the hearts of your people even as your spirit is at work through your word we pray this in Jesus name amen you have just finished considering chapter 9 ecclesiastes <clears throat> we saw that um, death is inevitable it comes to all people everyone is going to die the exhortation there was to run to Christ to be safe then we were exhorted to enjoy life that god commands us to go eat bread drink wine to uh, enjoy all times and seasons to enjoy life with the wife of our youth to enjoy the work that we do to do it with our might because again in death those things cannot be enjoyed because death comes to all people then from verse 11 to um <clears throat> to, to to the end of verse 18 we were able to see a couple of things um we were able to to see that the race is not to the swift the battle is not to the strong and therefore we are to we were, we were to look to Christ because of the unpredictability of life and then we were <clears throat> we were able to see that life is unfair again we are to look to Christ we may have so much wisdom like the poor man that we saw there but then it may be despised it may not be heard it may be forgotten then we are to look to Christ again because it is in him that we receive that which we do not deserve and in him god will never leave us he will never forsake us and then we were able to see that wisdom is better than might and the the the, the preacher is or rather exhorted us to better have wisdom 
than be so mighty. Because again, we saw that the the mighty uh, in the in the in the in the context was not able to take uh, captive the city that they wanted to. And the, it's the poor that were able to deliver the city. Now this evening, I'd like for us to consider these four verses, uh, beginning of chapter ten. I've titled my sermon, Walk Uprightly with God. Walk uprightly with God. The thing with these uh, kinds of passages that are more or less proverbs is we have to read them and ask ourselves, so what? What then? Dead flies make the perfumers, perfumers ointment give off a stench, so a little folly outweighs wisdom and honor. Okay, so what? A wise man's heart inclines him to the right, but a fool's heart to the left. Even when the fool walks on the road, he lacks sense, and he says to everyone that he's a fool. Okay, so, so what do you do with that information? Verse 4, if the anger of the ruler rises against you, do not leave your place, for calmness will lay great offenses to rest. Now, I'd like to submit to you that this passage is encouraging us to walk uprightly with the Lord. And we, we, we are being encouraged to walk uprightly with God Number one, because wisdom is vulnerable from verse one. Number two, because this is how you maintain wisdom by walking uprightly with the Lord from verses two to three. And then number three, because you will learn God's virtue by walking uprightly with him. So three points that I'd like to bring before you from the passage that we have here. Walk uprightly with God because wisdom is vulnerable. From verse 1. Walk uprightly with God because this is how you maintain wisdom. From verses 2 to 3. And then walk uprightly with God because you will learn his virtue. From verse 4. Follow with me as, as we consider this. Number 1. We are to walk uprightly with God because wisdom is vulnerable. Look at verse 1 with me. Dead flies make the perfumer's ointment give off a stench. So a little folly outweighs wisdom and honor. So we see here that the preacher is drawing for us an illustration from common life. From our day-to-day -day lives. He's saying here that the dead fly, you know, the dead flies, though only a little creature, this, this fly, gives a bad smell to the most costly ointment, the costliest ointment. And in the same way, even a small measure of folly, foolishness, spoils the reputation of one who may be considered wise, reputation of wisdom and honor. In the passage that we considered previously, the preacher told us that one sinner, look at verse 18 of chapter 9, 
Wisdom is better than weapons of war, but one sinner destroys much good. We are also able to see um, the last time that we were here, that the Apostle Paul tells us that a little leaven leavens the whole lump. 1 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 6, Galatians chapter 5, verse 9. The preacher is going ahead to assure us here that it is not only that bad company corrupts good morals, but it is also that a little folly on one's part is enough to outweigh wisdom and honor. Charles Bridges says here, quote, The unguarded moment, the hasty word, the irritable temper, the rudeness of manner, the occasional sleep, the supposed harmless <clears throat> eccentricities, all tend to spoil the fragrance of the ointment, end quote. And what he's saying there is that that little folly, that small foolish act is going to spoil everything that is called wisdom or honor. And because of that, that's why I'm, I'm submitting to you that we should all walk uprightly with God. Because when we are walking uprightly with God, such things are kept, are kept from us. As Christians, we have to always walk with the realization that we are Christians living and walking in the midst of a watching world. The eyes of the world are on us. We can never be careful enough than walking uprightly with the Lord. We are to be walking with the Lord daily because there is a watching world. We are to be walking uprightly with God because a little folly may outweigh all the wisdom that we may have. Considering that the previous uh, passage that we considered encourages us to be wise. So with um, the vulnerable nature of wisdom, we ought always to be found walking with the Lord in the light of His Word. And that, that's a song that I'd like us to sing after the sermon. When we walk with the Lord in the light of His Word, what a glory He shines on our way. When we do His good will, He abides with us still and with all who will trust and obey Him. We are to walk uprightly with the Lord because the wisdom that we have is very vulnerable um, a little folly the preacher tells us outweighs all the wisdom and all the honor that we may have now how do we do this you may ask how do we walk uprightly with the Lord because wisdom is vulnerable this will now be the application part even though it's in the middle of our of our point um, and <clears throat> what we do is we must watch even the minute details of our Christian life we must be careful that we avoid things like hypocrisy we avoid them like a plague all our Christian life must be wholly Christian we, we must not be Christians in this tent 
and something else at our place of work or something else at home. We must be careful that our all our Christian life is holy Christian. When we neglect um, serving God in little things, we give opportunity to folly. When we come to church, we want to serve one another. When we are at home, we serve others. When we are out there doing whatever God has granted us, you know, uh, doing it with our might, as, as we were told in the previous chapter, enjoying it, we are to do it as Christians so that we avoid folly. Everything in our lives as Christians should be kept sacred for God because a little folly outweighs wisdom and honor. The Apostle Paul says in Philippians chapter 2, verse 14 to 16, Do all things without grumbling or disputing, that you may be blameless and innocent, children of God without blemish in the midst of a crooked and twisted generation, among whom you shine as lights in the world, holding fast to the word of life, so that in the day of Christ I may be proud that I did not run in vain or labor in vain. So, so we, we must live uprightly, walk uprightly with the Lord because of the vulnerable nature of wisdom. Very easily, it, it may slip from our hands because of our little folly, the preacher tells us. Now, when we walk uprightly with God, we are able to maneuver around, the, around this vulnerable nature of wisdom. We are only safe in God's arms. And that's why then we walk uprightly with him we read in proverbs chapter 13 verse 20 that whoever walks with the wise becomes what becomes wise but the companion of fools suffer harm who better to walk with than god who, who is wiser than god the apostle paul tells us that his wisdom is unsearchable his knowledge is inscrutable and so if when we walk with the wise we become wise then we are to walk uprightly with our God. You know, as we were encouraged last, last Sunday by our brother Peter, we should take up our cross and follow him. We should daily, that's what the text tells us there in Luke, Luke chapter 9, daily taking up our crosses and following him because of the vulnerable nature of wisdom. And because God is the, the one who is all wise, you should walk uprightly with him. Now, even though this is just an illustration aimed at making a certain point, one would not be wrong to ask, how do the flies, you know, how do the flies get into the perfumer's ointment? Why are they getting in there? <clears throat> Is it that someone left the, 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 the ointment open? You know, they were careless with it. Someone may have misused the bottle or failed to pay proper care to it. And, and, and you know this. If you live with someone, they may, they may leave the door open. They may leave the oil open. They may... People are prone to 
to, to, to doing that. So, so how do the flies get in? It's because the ointment is not taken care of. That, that's, that's the point there. You know, it's a, it's a simple but profound point that if proper care against folly would be maintained, wisdom and honor would not be outweighed. Right? You know, the, the, the way you would protect the ointment so that flies do not come in and therefore giving off this stench it's the same way you avoid folly by walking uprightly with God and therefore maintaining maintaining this wisdom and honor. If we would walk uprightly with God, then we would be prayerful. And thus we would not need we would not be negligent. Uh, we would not neglect to be diligent in this matter of of prayer when we walk with the lord we would be in the word and hence we would have that great torch that great lamp of our feet as we sang this morning we would be kept from those inconsistencies that grant a stench to our personal holiness when we're walking uprightly with with god we would be we would be keeping the flies away from the ointment. That's what the preacher is telling us. Now, are you seeing how walking uprightly with God comes into play in this passage? Are you seeing how walking uprightly with the Lord is necessary and important? Simple point, but very profound. Even though we have these flies that are troubling us, and will trouble us till the day we die, walking faithfully, uprightly with God, covers us from that stench, that, that stench that folly brings. When we walk uprightly with God, flies, even though they will always be there, they be kept, they be kept away, away from us. Number two, Walk uprightly with God because this is how you maintain wisdom. So you do not want the flies to uh, get into the ointment and therefore give off this bad stench. Oh, give off a stench. There's no good stench. Um, but then you, you want this wisdom to be maintained. So the second point is walk uprightly with God because this is how you maintain wisdom. Look at verses 2 and 3. A wise man's heart inclines him to the right, but a fool's heart to the left. Even when the fool walks on the road, he lacks sense, and he says to everyone that he is a fool. Here the preacher continues with this proverbial language. And he contrasts wisdom to folly in a little bit different way than, than in verse 1. The point here, though, is simply um, that we are to be wise. Be wise. And if you are encouraged to be wise, you're, of course, being discouraged from being a fool. That's, that's a simple point there. Um, but then, how is this to be achieved? Again, it is by walking uprightly 
with the Lord. For this is the way you maintain wisdom. Therefore, we are to walk uprightly with God because uh, it's, it's in God that wisdom is found. It's in God that we would be walking in the right and not in the left. Now, follow closely with me here. The preacher is here contrasting the wise man um, and the fool. The wise man's ready discretion, the wise man's prudence with the fool's rashness and want, want or lack of carefulness, thoughtfulness. When he says a wise man's heart inclines him to the right, but a fool's heart to the left, we can hear that contrast being made between the wise man and the fool. Now, it is not as though there is anything inherently better about the right hand, you know, as opposed to the left hand. The point being made is that the wise man is inclined to the advantageous side because of wisdom. And the opposite is true for the fool. Now, granted, scripture does speak of the right hand in a positive light. Uh, but this is to make distinction between advantage and disadvantage. Um, blessings and curses. So, so, so scripture does uh, communicate as though um, blessings are in the right hand, you know, curses on the left hand. Um, but nothing really deep or of deep meaning is to be squeezed of, of the use of the right hand and the left hand. The, the, the point is, um, wisdom grants blessing, advantage. F uh, 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 folly is, is, is of disadvantage and it may grant curses. Um, now, you know, of course, Christ says that uh, the sheep will be on the right, the goats on the left. Again, that's 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 another illustration to show that the right hand is spoken of positively as of blessing the left hand as of curses christ is seated at the right hand of the father again it's not as though god has a right hand and a left hand it's that the right hand is communicated of as of blessing and in that case it's of authority christ is seated at the highest place of authority when it says he's at the right hand of god so the preacher here in verse 2 is saying that wisdom is better than folly for it is inclined in the advantageous side, the, 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 the right side. And folly is worse because it inclines the heart to, to that side of disadvantage, the left side. When we walk uprightly with God, we are able to have this heart that is wise and therefore inclined to the right you know, if you, if, you, if you now get what the preacher is saying, we are at an advantage if we walk uprightly with our God. We will have wisdom. Our, our hearts will be wise and therefore they will be inclined to the right. And when you do not walk uprightly with God, then we have the fool's heart which is inclined to the left. We are at a disadvantage. That's what the preacher is saying. And therefore, we must thoroughly keep our hearts with God if we are to maintain wisdom. We must walk uprightly with the Lord because this is how wisdom is maintained. The way we maintain wisdom and then our hearts are, in, are inclined to this advantageous side, the right side, 
is by walking uprightly with God. How does the wise man's heart incline him to the right? By living upon the truths of God's word. By walking uprightly with God. What does that mean? By, by living upon the truths of God's word. By treasuring those truths that are found therein. By prayerfully considering everything in life. Being prayerful. That's how we walk uprightly with God. By practically walking with the Lord in our daily lives. That's how we walk uprightly with God. By living for Him. By dying daily to self. By taking Him at His word. Now, how, how, how does the fool incline, in, in, incline his heart to the left? Or how does, how does his, his heart, the fool's heart, incline him to the left? By disregarding the Bible. Right? That's, that's how he does not walk uprightly with God. He does not hear from God. He disregards the word of God. He considers the word of God of less importance. By losing appetite for God's word, for God's things. By being prayerless. By having everything in the wrong place, if you will. And this is what actually makes verse 3 pop out. Because, because of this folly, we are told, when the fool walks on the road, verse 3, he lacks sense and he says to everyone that he is a fool. He disregards God. He has no appetite for the things of God. He does not walk uprightly with God. And therefore, his heart inclines him to the left, the, disadvantage, the, 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 uh, the, the side of disadvantage. You know, he does not need to tell anyone that he is a fool. His conduct evidences it all. It shows that he is a fool. You know, and, and this is not because he lacks natural wisdom. It's not, it's not because he does not know right from left. But because he lacks spiritual wisdom. Which is first obtained by coming to Christ. And then is maintained by walking in him. Walking with him. Uh, Charles Bridges again says, quote, Hence, he stumbles in the plainest path. Now, this is the fool. He's always behind his time. He sees things too late. His whole course is blundering and showing the ridiculous licentiousness of the tongue. He becomes the object of pity and contempt. He's always on the wrong. He, stumble, he stumbles in, in everything. He's always behind his time. And this is because he disregards God and the things of God. Now, the way we avoid this is by first and foremost coming to Christ and following Christ. If I may ask you, have you come to Christ? Are you sure that you've come to Christ? Are you following Christ? How, how are you following Him? Are you walking uprightly with God? Are you maintaining this wisdom by walking uprightly with God? 
Are you at an advantage or at a disadvantage? Are you like the wise man whose heart inclines him to the right? Or like the fool who even, even when he walks on the road, he lacks sense. And everyone is able to know that you're not walking uprightly with God. Which one is it, my brethren? The Lord Jesus Christ is near. He can be obtained by believing in Him. Even better for us who are Christians, He will never leave us, neither forsake us. He will always be there for us. God is never far away. It is you who is far. It is you who stays away from Him. God is always near His people. We know that He is he is near us. Though he seems to hide his face, we know he hears us. Even though our prayers, the answers to our prayers seem to come too late, he's always there. There is not one promise that shall miscarry. God is always near his people. The exhortation there for you, Christian, is to walk uprightly with God because this is how you maintain that wisdom. that can be very easily um, datified by folly. And for the non-Christian is to come to Christ. Come to Christ now. Because you know, walking on the road and lacking sense and having everyone see that you're a fool eventually leads to eternal damnation. And this is not what we want for our souls. We want to be with God for all eternity. We want to bow before Him in endless bliss. And this is only obtained by coming to Christ. Thirdly and lastly, walk uprightly with God because you will learn His virtue. Now verse 4 tells us, <clears throat> if you can look with me there, it says, If the anger of the ruler rises against you, do not leave your place. For calmness will lay great offenses at rest. When you, re- when you read that, You can hear the words of Solomon, the preacher, in Proverbs chapter 15, verse 1, when he says, A soft answer turns away wrath, but a harsh word stirs up anger. Now, the preacher is here finally telling us that while the fool's conduct says to everyone that he's a fool, the wise man knows how foolish, hasty action can be and he knows how much there is to there is to be gained from composure from calmness that's how the ESV renders it calmness um, now Jesus is our perfect model for calmness and, and this is this is how now the, the, the point comes together we walk uprightly with God because we because we will learn his virtue when we are close to God 
we will learn from him. We will obtain this virtue of calmness. When uh, an angry ruler rises against us, by walking closely with God, walking uprightly with God, we learn from him what it means to be calm when temperatures are high. So Jesus, Jesus is our perfect model of a wise man. One who is able to compose himself. I'd like to read for you a series of texts here. Listen to the words of Matthew in um, Matthew 26, verse 59, forward. We read, Then those who had seized Jesus led him to Caiaphas, the high priest, where the scribes and the elders had gathered. If you know your Bible well, you know that this is that time when they are now taking him. He's now been arrested. And Peter was following him at a distance as far as the courtyard of the high priest. And going inside, he sat with the guards to see the end. So the apostle Peter is behind. He's watching this from afar. He's, he's following. Now the chief priests and the whole council were seeking false testimony against Jesus that they might put him to death. But they found none, though many false witnesses came forward. At last, two came forward and said, This man said, I am able to destroy the temple of God and to rebuild it in three days. And the high priest stood up and said, Have you no answer to make? What is it that these men testify against you? But Jesus remained silent. And the high priest said to him, I adjure you by the living God. Tell us if you are the Christ, the Son of God. Jesus said to him, You have said so. But I tell you, from now on, you will see the Son of Man seated at the right hand of power and coming on the clouds of heaven. You hear that language? Right hand. And the high priest tore his robes. <clears throat> now, like like for you to just... Pay careful attention so that you may be able to get the, the links. The preacher in Ecclesiastes is telling us that if the anger of the ruler rises against you, not leave your place, for calmness will lay great, offen great offenses to rest. Now this is Jesus before these high priests, these rulers. He is calm. He does not respond when he doesn't want to respond. And when he has to respond, he responds. And then what, what do the chief priests do? We read there in verse 65. Then the high priest tore his robes and said, He has uttered blasphemy. What, what further witnesses do we need? You have now heard his blasphemy. What is your judgment? They answered, He deserves death. Then they spit in his face and struck him. And some slapped him, saying, Prophesy to us, you Christ. Who is it that struck you? So you have these rulers who are very angry at him. And, <clears throat> you know, it's been thought that when the preacher is, 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 is speaking here in Ecclesiastes 10.4, this 
angry ruler who is rising against you the you in quotes is is doing so unjustly it's it's not as though they they are they have any found they, any reasons any grounds to be angry at you and then his recommendation is be calm and so this is what jesus is is faced with and then you have the next chapter of matthew chapter 27 verse 11 to 14 now jesus stood before the governor and the governor asked asked him are you the king of the jews so 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 you know the stories it's that back and forth where they are taking him to this 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 ruler then they then they take him to this other one now he's before the governor the governor asks him are you the king of the jews and jesus said you have said so the same response that he gave the chief priest but when he was accused by the chief priest and elders he gave no answer then pilate said to him do you not hear how many things they testify against you but but he gave him no no answer not not even to a single charge so that the governor was greatly amazed Jesus the point i'm trying to make is that Jesus is our greatest model of being calm when the angry ruler rises against you when we walk closely with the lord we learn this virtue we learn from him now peter whom we've just read that he was following him at a distance tells us in his first letter first peter chapter 2 verse 18 to 23 servants be subject to your masters with all respect you know you, if you know this passage you'll be able to get what i'm saying not only to the good and gentle but also to the unjust for this is a gracious thing when mindful of god one endures sorrows when suffering unjustly for what credit is it if when you sin and are beaten for it you endure but if when you do good and suffer for it you endure this is a gracious thing in the sight of god and then he says in verse 21 for to this you have been called because christ also suffered for you leaving you an example so that you might follow in his steps and then he says he committed no sin neither was deceit found in his mouth when he was reviled you remember peter was there he was seeing what they were doing to him and then he's now saying when he was reviled he did not revile in return when he suffered he did not threaten but continued entrusting himself to him who judges justly my dear brethren if jesus is able to entrust himself to his god how much more we who are sinners if him who is not able uh, him who did not sin and trusted himself to god how much more we who sin we are to walk uprightly with the lord because when we do we learn virtue from him we learn his virtue we learn this virtue of being calm um when the angry ruler rises against us so the preacher says if the anger of the ruler rises against you do not leave your place for calmness we lay great offenses at rest jesus quite clearly shows us that 
if the anger of the, this ruler rises against against us, we are not to leave our place because calmness will lay great offenses to rest. Now, Jesus, Jesus was innocent for sure. But then we know that the will of God was being accomplished. As all these things are happening to him, even though he remains quiet, silent, the will of God is being accomplished. You know, his calmness was advancing the will of God. Right? They eventually got what they wanted. But what this man meant for evil, God meant it for good. And this is why then the preacher reminds us here that calmness will lay great offenses to rest. This calmness is obtained when we know our Lord. When we are walking uprightly with Him. When we are following Him. We would learn from Him. Him whom this morning we were told is, is who? Who is He, who is he to, to, to us, to the body? He is the head. We learn from Him. Jesus teaches us that victory over ourselves is more glorious than victory over others. And that's then we follow Him. We are to walk uprightly with Him. Because when we walk uprightly with Him, we learn this virtue. Now, let me just make a final point and then I will I'll just pray and finish. Even if you would be the offender, you see that text there, for calmness will lay great offenses to rest. Even if you are the offender, the one on the wrong, the preacher tells us that when we are calm, what happens? When we are composed, great offenses will be allayed. They will be put to rest. And so, whether it is unjust or we are actually in the wrong and the, the, the ruler is angry rightly, the preacher tells us that calmness will lay great offenses to rest. My points for the sermon are my applications. They are my so what. The so what that we have at the end of the sermon there is because of what the, the preacher tells us in these four verses, so what? We walk uprightly with God because wisdom is vulnerable. We walk uprightly with God because this is how we maintain wisdom. And we walk uprightly with God because we will learn His virtue. Let's, let's pray. Our Heavenly Father, we thank You because of uh, Your kindness in granting that we, we hear Your Word. We pray that we may walk uprightly with you. We may faithfully follow the Lord Jesus Christ. We may give ourselves to Him. Because the wisdom that we may have, which is better than might, can be um, datified by folly. It may be outweighed by a little folly. 
And the way we maintain this wisdom is by walking uprightly with you. The way we learn how to be calm when great offenses have, have been committed is to walk uprightly with you. To look at Christ. To follow him. To bow to him. Please help us, Lord. Hear us this afternoon. Bless us with these things as we set out for the week. We pray these things in Jesus' name.